that is good to see. That is good to see. Uh, goodness gracious. Well, we are already on a, on a train ride this morning, aren't we? Uh, this is a good place to be, so welcome. Thanks so much for being here. My name is Ron, and I used to be on staff here, uh, but whenever I get to come back here, it is like coming back home. And so uh, thank you so much for, for having me, and thank you for being here today. Um, welcome to those of you, too, that are maybe watching from the Santan campus or the Scottsdale campus. Uh, maybe you're watching online or at the 5 o'clock uh, service tonight. Uh, we just want to say welcome to you, and so, so thankful for what God is stirring up uh, in this place. Uh, my, my two boys, uh, Braddock and Brody, they're in third and fourth grade, and uh, I love them to death. I, I take them to school in the morning, and then when I can, I go uh, pick them up from school. We live up in Prescott, Arizona, and, and they're in a cool little school there in Prescott. I got some of my buddies from Prescott uh, here today, so thank you guys. Um, but But... Everything's a little bit slower in Prescott, Arizona. And uh, my boy's school hasn't quite yet figured out how to um, get the line moving to pick your kids up from school. The line is so long when I go pick my kids up from school. We live in Prescott, Arizona, and the line to pick my kids up from school starts in Albuquerque, New Mexico... We get in line to pick them up. When you, when you go get them, I dropped them off there in third grade. When I pick them up, they're 49 years old. It takes a long time to get those boys from school. Well, I'm picking them up. And then to complicate things on this particular day, I was driving my wife's minivan, which we established at the men's conference this weekend. Whenever you need to drive your wife's minivan, a bit of your soul dies as a man. And so... I'm driving. I'm not used to driving it. It's like driving a big marshmallow. And uh, I pulled out onto the road that the boys' school was on, not paying attention, not thinking, and I totally cut this poor woman off. And it was bad. I mean, she's full on the brakes, literally within inches of colliding with the rear bumper. And I saw her in my rear view mirror. Just, it was super close, you know. And there's times where you do that on purpose. I didn't do that on purpose. I, I, I honestly, and so I was terrified. She, she was just right there behind me. And thankfully, though, she stopped. Well, now we're, we're cruising down the road and then come to discover she's got kids at the same school as me. So we pull into the same line together. She's still right behind me. And I can see through my rear view mirror that there is fury, hostility, anger, uh, just radiating from this woman. There's fire shooting from her eye sockets. And I can see it through my rear view mirror. We pull into the school campus and I'm feeling so terrible. Luckily though, she had kids a different age. So we got into the parking lot and then we parted directions. And I was like, whew, that was close. And we get the boys. I take them. We had to make a little grocery store stop on the way home. We get the boys out of the car. We start walking into the grocery store. And then that woman, she had picked up her kid and she needed to make a grocery store stop too. And so I see her pulling in and I just go, oh man, you know, sometimes you just got to 
humble yourself and get over it and say sorry. And so I, I, I said, boys, hang on just a minute. Your dad's got to go say sorry. And so they said, okay. And so I start walking over to this woman that's now walking in with her children. And she looks over, sees me advancing on her. And her eyes are huge. Partly because I look like a bald Sasquatch advancing on her. Just a, but partly because, you know, I, she's like making the connection. Oh, no. And so I said, I, I'm... I'm so sorry. I'm the guy that almost rear-ended you. I'm, I just wanted to say sorry. I wasn't paying attention. Please, please, please forgive me. And she said, I'm just glad that I, I could stop the car in, in time. And I said, yeah, me too. Thank you so much for that. And then she said, and I, you know what? I, I can't really be that angry at you anyway. You're my pastor. Ugh. You never know. You never know. Uh, what I'm telling you is this. I'm just as goofy and messed up as any of y'all. We are all goofy. But more than that, what I'm telling you is you need to watch out who you surround yourself with. You know, because you think you know people. And, uh, and sometimes they're good people. And when you got good people around you, then there's nothing like it. When you got bad people around you, there's nothing like it. You need to watch who you surround yourself with. But here's, here's what I want you to hear this morning. Your relationships determine both the quality and the direction of your life. Your relationships determine the quality and the direction of your life. I want to talk to you about relationships this morning. I want to talk to you about community this morning. Because I believe that community is key. Good Christian community is key. Good Christian relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ is key. It's crucial for you and for me. In the New Testament, there are 94 verses that give us 100 one another commands. 100 one another commands given to us in the scriptures bear one another's burdens pray for one another care for one another etc cetera, etc cetera. that outside of the context of good community and good relationships we we can't even fulfill these one another's of scripture and those of you that may be neuter to church um, newer to this church you, you may not get yet that there's more to the Christian life than just this experience. Yes, there's something powerful that happens when we all gather here. Very powerful, very key as well. But this is not the end of your journey as a follower of Jesus. In fact, this might just be the beginning. Some of the best things that happen in your journey with Jesus happen in the context of relationships. They happen in the context of um, smaller groups where you're with brothers in Christ or sisters in Christ. You're in your small group. You're in your life group. Did you know Jesus is a relational Jesus? You heard the young lady in that video testimony say that very thing. She, she believed in Jesus. What she had missed somewhere along the journey was, was what it meant to walk in a relationship with Jesus. God's a relational God, and then he's, he's desiring that we would then be relational people. And so we're called to live out good Christian community. 
outside of these walls. We've got a culture that makes that hard though, right? Because we've got a culture that's really, really busy. It fills up a lot of our time. We've got a culture with social media and whatnot today that makes it really easy for us to be, gosh, a hundred miles wide and yet only an inch deep with people. And what God calls his people to is something that's below the surface, something of, of actual substance. And that's what I, I want to talk to you about this morning, what that looks like, that, that good community, good godly relationships. It's why he's given us the church. If you have your Bible this morning, uh, open up to the book of Ecclesiastes and go to chapter 4. If you're not real familiar, Ecclesiastes is right about in the middle of your Bible. You'll find this book of Ecclesiastes. If you turn there, go to chapter 4. And this is written by a guy named Solomon. And Solomon, as many of you know, was the, the wisest man who ever lived. But as he wrote, writes this book of Ecclesiastes, he's doing it late in his life. And so he, he's not only coming around what he's writing here, um, having been the wisest person who ever lived, but also one who has lived a lot of life. And much of Ecclesiastes, it's an interesting book. If you get time to read it, go do it. But it's his reflections on life. It's his reflections on the roller coaster of life. An awful lot of it is the reflection on all that's really meaningless in life. And he zeroes in here on the context of relationships and good community and how it really is an antidote to all that is meaningless in, in life. And in verses 7 and 8, he says this. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. In other words, relationships are going to trump riches all day long. I guarantee it. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. In other words, he's just saying, what is the point? What's the point of living life, much less the Christian life, if we're doing it alone? We were not meant to walk out life alone, and we certainly were not meant to walk out the Christian life alone. He's given us relationships, not just with family, but with the church family. And that was meant to be a blessing to you and that you might be a blessing to others. And each verse here, there's almost something more and more special about what good community, good relationships can provide for me and you. In verse 9, he says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. In other words, really good community, really good relationships have a way of allowing you to reach heights that you couldn't reach alone. Now that isn't my line. I, I, I watched this thing a number of years ago on two guys named Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston. 
And these two guys were almost single-handedly responsible for, for animating the best Disney movies for four or five decades that, that you know of. You go back and you watch all, starting with Snow White and go all the way through and you wait for the credits and who are the guys doing it? Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston. And these two guys produced a phenomenal amount of work and a high quality of work. But these two guys, they, they grew up in the same town. They went to the same college. They were roommates. And when they graduated within the same year, they ended up getting married roughly about the same time. They're, 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 this couple and this couple, they moved in next door to each other where they lived next door to each other for their whole lives. They got hired by Walt Disney at the exact same time and then worked desk by desk for their entire careers. And one of their wives during this interview that I was watching said that Frank and Ollie had a way of lifting each other up to reach heights that they could not reach alone. And not just for animation's sake, but for relational sake, for friendship's sake. They'd seen that played out in the context of their families and their friendships. And if that's true of them, then how much more so should that be true of followers of Jesus? That God, when you get in the context of relation, God will bring someone that is complementary to you. He will bring someone that has strengths that you do not have and vice versa. And that only in coming together, as is the case with the body of Christ, then we can actually fulfill what we're called to do together where we could not do alone. Verse 10, he says, if either one of them falls down, then one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And this is huge because I think any good community, any good relationships, godly relationships have the opportunity to give you strength when you don't have strength yourself. And, and you could probably think about a time. We could probably go around the room and you could stand up and, and share a story about a time where you were wiped out, you were broken down, you were beat up, you were absolutely ready to give up or give in. And someone came alongside of you and someone was strong for you when you needed them and you need to lean on them. That's all part of God's design and good community and good relationships to give you strength when you don't have it, to provide something that you need when you need it. Have you ever had that happen? I mean, sometimes it happens in really, I mean, deep soul needs. Sometimes it happens in just surfacing needs. And, and that's a good thing too. I had bad toilets at the house, really bad. You know, there's, only, there's really only two things that you need to have a good toilet one, it needs to flush right. And two, it needs to be the right height. I don't like those water-saving toys. you got to flush 19 times to get whatever's in there down. That ain't water-saving, okay? And my, mine were horrible. They, they did not flush right, and they were shallow. I don't want to go potty on a dinner plate. This is not helpful. And they were so low. They were so low. I had to get like into a major league catcher position. Just And if you were down, you might as well stay down because you just flush yourself down because you're not getting back up. It was awful. 
but I had friends. God provided in His glorious sovereign wisdom friends who know how to fix things. And, and one of them came to my house. He said, I'll put new toilets in for you. I said, no way. He said, yes way. And I went, this is the most glorious thing ever. And he did it while I was away at work. And I got home and I knew that he had already installed the toilets because there were angels hovering over our house. I opened the door to the bathroom and, and there was singing and praises came out and I rushed in and I, I hugged my toilet. I kissed my, it was clean. I kissed it and then I hugged and I kissed my brother. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. You were my, my potty savior. It was fantastic. And I just, in that brief moment, you know, it made me think, I, I'm so, so thankful I'm so thankful for, for people who are good at taking something that's broken and swapping it out with something that works. I'm so thankful for people that come alongside brokenness and have the ability to fix, repair, help it. That's what Jesus did for me. Uh, he looked at my broken down, beat up heart and he swapped it out for a brand new one. I'm so thankful for him for that. But he's also given many of you that gift relationally and otherwise that you come alongside somebody else and their brokenness doesn't bother you. Their challenges don't bother you and you come alongside in the context of relationship and encouragement and whatnot, you come alongside and you're used of God to give them strength when they don't have it. You're used of God to repair and restore their heart. And that just happens so powerfully in the context of good community and life groups or relationships that you've got. Maybe even serving somewhere here in the church. You might be thinking, you know, I'm just kind of an introvert and I'm kind of a, one, one of those people that I don't really need anybody else, and I, I, I'm independent, and I got this, I got this on my own. I, one, I, I'd push back on that. But, but two, have you ever considered maybe somebody needs you? You may not be thinking of what you need right now, but maybe, maybe somebody needs you. They need the strength, the talent, the gift, the story, the experience that you've got. When you get in the context of good community, you get in a good life group or a ministry context together where you're building relationship, then God can use you then to strengthen somebody else. He can use you then to keep other people's spiritual fire lit. And I think that's another byproduct of good community. That's what Solomon says here in verse 11. He says, also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? In other words, I think really good relationships, good Christian community, the, the body of Christ, brothers and sisters walking together at its best, give you the ability to keep that spiritual fire lit. Because what God stirs up in your soul, it produces this spiritual fire in us, it should. But just like a barbecue, when you light those charcoal briquettes on fire and those gain some heat and some traction, 
and they get white hot. If, 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 you, if you leave those together, they'll stay warm for a very long time together. But you remove one of those coals from the rest and set it out by itself, it doesn't take very long for that to cool off, does it? And that's exactly where the enemy would like to do with every single one of us is just think that this is the end of the journey right here where you just kind of sit in a big room and sing some songs and listen to a message and then leave. But, but the enemy would love for you just to scatter and never be connected, never have below the surface relationships. Because spiritually speaking, then once you're isolated, you can grow cold and then he's one. But you get in the context of these relationships and build each other up and keep fanning that flame in each other. I think it's crucial. And lastly, in verse 12, Solomon says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Then a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Good relationships, this Christian community, I think is God-given means of protection for me and you. Um, There is an enemy that would love to steal and kill and destroy you, uh, your family, your marriage, your friendships, um, your relationship with the Lord. And I think at its best, you get into a context of relationship and community as God's designed it outside of this gathering here and just watch how God can use that to protect you. You go through trials, you go through difficulties and, and your, your group, your, your community can rally around you and, and fight for you and defend you from other, other people, from the plans of the enemy. You might be dating somebody and it's your group that comes alongside and goes, uh-uh, she crazy, run. He's absolutely nuts. Head the other direction. And that's good for you. That's really, for, for me, I can say with all honesty that my, my life groups over the years, my small groups over the years have been the source of the deepest blessing and the deepest strength and, and the source of deepest protection and provision for me and my family. My, my, my small groups, my community of brothers and sisters have been the ones that have been there for me when my dad died too soon. They were there for me to celebrate when my children were born. They were, they were there to, to encourage me when I was down and depressed. They were, they were there at all these different moments, and they were there then for me to pour back into them. I was in groups that provided financially for each other. I, I was in groups... Where, where one group in particular, somebody in our group donated one of their organs to another person in our group. You talk about life group, that's literal life group. And yet that's, that's what God can do. That's, that's really the, the church. That's the church at its best. A lot of you may have had relational moments where you got burned in a group or hurt by people. I get that. You may just have a hard time connecting with other people. I get that too. But I guess what I just want to say is get over it. Um, 
Don't let one experience determine the whole rest of your days. God can redeem and restore anything. Don't let the enemy drive a wedge and in, in take a one moment from a couple of years ago or a couple of months ago or a couple of decades ago and let that dictate now how you view all relationships or all community or all life groups or you name it. If at the Scottsdale or the Santan campus, then before you go today, then make sure that as you head out, you go to the info booth and you talk to somebody there about getting connected in one of those life group settings local to your community. If you're in the Chandler campus here, then that group link thing is going to be a phenomenal way. It's a great first step to get connected with other people Maybe at the same area as you, same life stage as you. And it's a good first step just to get exposed to what that might be for you. And so go visit somebody on the patio this morning or go to the CS app and, and sign up for that opportunity. Because when we do this, when we first recognize what God has for us in the context of community like this, and then we take that step of obedience and that step of faith, I think we start to experience Jesus like we never have before. And I think we start to reflect the body of Christ like we never have before. And so in the name of an almighty God, would you please, please do it if you're not already. And if you are already, do not stop. Do not stop pouring into each other. Do not stop seeking each other out. We need each other. We need each other. And so, Father, we we just pause here for a moment to just to declare that. We, we say that in our hearts and our minds right now that we, we do need other people in life and in our spiritual journey. We do need, first and foremost, a a relationship with you. And that God, as we grow in that relationship, would you make us more and more relational people? Would you connect us with the right people? The the ones that, that you need us to invest in. And would you connect us with the ones that maybe you know that we would benefit from. God, we thank you for giving us the church and thank you that it's more than a building and more than a program, but that it's people. It's people walking with other people. It's people in deep godly relationship and community that can protect us and strengthen us and allow us to reach and accomplish things that we could not do alone. Allow everybody in this church to find their place. And we'd be quick to give you the praise and the glory for that. And we do that right now, God, as we lift our voices to you. Thank you, Lord, for all you are and all you do and all you will do. In Jesus' precious name, amen.